is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. so much good morning everyone it's wonderful to be with you on a sunny Sunday morning we'll be out there soon I promise I won't take up too much of your time I'm Lucy I am I've been part of Jubilee with my husband Elliot um, since 2014 um, I'm a doctor my husband's an engineer and he's battling two children in the living room they're locked in <laughs> so hopefully not too much disturbance from them this morning but if you do apologies just ignore they're fine. Um, I have the privilege today of talking to you on Nehemiah 4 and the subject of community. It's something I love, something I'm really passionate about, uh, passionate about, and something I've been sort of talking with friends about over probably the last two years. So a really timely message, hopefully for us all. And I'd just like to say at the start, you know, this isn't something I always get right. Um, I'll be honest with you, I want to be more like Jesus, I want to build community better, so let's go on a journey together today, find out a bit more about what the Bible's going to say. And I'm going to focus primarily on building church community. Um, you know, there'll be lessons whether you're part of Jubilee Church, um, Derby, Burton Family Church, or even another church around the world, you know, you are so welcome. And hopefully we can learn together a bit more about community. But I want to make it clear from the start that actually God's heart isn't just for his church community, but the wider community as well. Matthew 28, we're called to go and make disciples. Um, but we're going to focus back in a little bit today. In Galatians, it says that we are to present God a radiant church without stain, wrinkle or blemish, holy and blameless. Now, community doesn't just happen because we're labelled church actually it's what we create and that's why we're looking at it in the context of Nehemiah how can we build community and when we get community right within the church actually that can't help but overflow as people see the kingdom coming down here on earth they go I want in I want in on that so let's focus on church community today and just before I pray I'd like to read a quote from the Jubilee Church website it's um, from Francis Chan and it says this God's church is not a social club. It's not a building and it's not an option. The church is life and death. The church is God's strategy for reaching the, reaching the world. What we do inside church matters. So I'm just going to pray now. Thank you, God, so much for this opportunity to learn more about what you want for us in our community. God, would you just speak and say what you want to say today, God? I pray that all of us will leave today changed, that we'll leave today challenged. And God, just a little bit more like you. Amen. Um, so some of you may know Sue Rob. She's very kindly agreed to read Nehemiah 4 for us today. So um, thank you, Sue. Nehemiah 4. When Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are these, those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, 
what they are building, if even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down the wall of stones. Hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we re rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the labourers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, whatever you turn, they, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points in the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armour. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued to work with the half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night so that they can serve us as guards by day, by night and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers, nor my men, nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. Lovely. Thank you so much, Sue, for reading that passage. Um, so we're going to look at a few things and lessons we can learn from Nehemiah and the community that he builds. And um, if you got the notes off the Facebook page, um, there's five things we're going to look at. Um, just as a bit of a guide as to where we're going today. So firstly, Nehemiah builds a community that prays. That's verses four to five and verse nine. We've already seen already in the talks that we've had that Nehemiah is a man that prays. He prays for longer than it takes the wall to be built. You know, he is committed to speaking to God and hearing God's heart. 
And then at the start of this passage, midway through, there's opposition. There's opposition even with his own, within his own camp, but there's also opposition from outside. And the first thing he does is get on his knees. 2 Chronicles 77 verse 14, many of you may know this, says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. God answers Nehemiah each time he prays and the plans of the enemies are quashed and the walls are built. There is victory with prayer. And isn't it amazing how God um, brings the same things as we're, as we're worshipping? You know, Paul was talking about us having access to God in a different way that they had in the Old Testament. You know, we have a relationship. We are sons and daughters of the living God. It's easier for us to access God. but I don't think that necessarily means that we do. I think perhaps sometimes we get distracted by other things. Um, you know, prayer is so important. We had a wonderful time of prayer and worship on Tuesday um, and thank you for those who lead our prayer, prayer meetings. It's, it's a wonderful space to hear from God, to be prayed for, to pray for others um, and to be part of something bigger than yourselves, to be part of what God is doing. I think I put it on Facebook a while ago during the week of prayer and fasting, you know, just as you would never regret a workout once you've done it, actually. Going to a prayer meeting is not something you're going to regret. You'll come out changed, I promise. And I know what it's like. You know, on Tuesday, I'd had a day of Zoom calls, you know, eight till five on the computer. Maybe for you, it was phone calls. Maybe it was homeschooling. I know that's tough. Or maybe it's, you know, difficult situation at work. You just want to collapse in bed at the end of the day. But I promise you that prayer meetings are so worth it. Don't miss out on an opportunity to connect with God, to connect with others, to pray for someone and see them healed. Praying together will build faith. It brings breakthrough just like it did for Nehemiah. Are you committed to praying? Are you committed to coming to prayer meetings? Are you committed to praying in life groups or praying for individuals? If you're struggling, Ask yourself why, ask God why, and keep yourself accountable to someone. I'd really encourage all of us to try and get to the next prayer meeting and let's see what a difference it makes when, you know, more than two, three, four, 50 of us are joined together, seeking after God's heart and praying together. Will you commit with me to pray? Secondly, Nehemiah builds a community that acts. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. That's in verse nine. No, he doesn't just pray. He sets in motion something inspired by God. And it speaks to that James passage where it has faith and deeds. And I'm going to be a bit sneaky and I'm going to jump back to Nehemiah 3, which we missed out. But I think there's some really important lessons in there. And I'm going to reminisce a little bit. So as I mentioned, I'm a doctor. I absolutely love anatomy. It's something that really captures my imagination. I think that began when I was young. My mum's a physiotherapist. So cafe trips for us weren't just sit back, relax, have a have hot chocolate. It was, oh, have you noticed that person? Why are they walking like that? Oh, have you seen that arm? That's different. Why is that cause like that? And so that was kind of what I was brought up with. And I love anatomy and the way things are connected together in form and function. So when I read 
um, the passage in 1 Corinthians 12 that Graham mentioned earlier, you know, that's, that's like, I get it. That's what community should be like. So verse 18 to 20 of that passage, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If you were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And Nehemiah 3 um, is a long list of what people build, built and their responsibility. They all had their role and they worked together to rebuild the wall. And Tim mentioned this chap last week, Malkija. He had the privilege of restoring the dung gate. The gate that the garbage would pass through. Would you have turned your nose up at that? Well, actually, I've got a bit of a wall to build, actually. Don't worry about the dung gate. You've got the dung gate, fountain's gate here. And you may laugh and you think, oh, it's, yeah, that was a bit silly. But it's true of church. It's true of church now. You know, oh, I just, I just do the words. I just do the online chat. Or perhaps when we were meeting in person, you know, oh, I just, I just welcome. I just do the refreshments. I just pray for people. There is no just when it comes to kingdom work. And I'll tell you why, because without the dung gate, the waste piles up, it rots, gets into the water system. There's disease, there's cholera, the city is decimated. The dung gate is important. Each of us has a place in this church. God wants you here. We want you here and we need you here. Elliot um, said this in our wedding speech and it, and it hurts his technical mind. He says, you know, we are greater than the sum of our parts, but he's got to let that go in the kingdom. You know, together we can create something incredible. God has called us together to function and display his kingdom. Without you, we can't function fully. You know, Tim spoke last week about things that are on your heart and, 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 and praying about those and acting upon those. You know, what role can you play? What gifts and skills are we missing out on? Have you got vision for something new, a new ministry, a new outward um, focus? You know, we need that. God has given that to you, no one else but to you. And I will say this as well, you know, God doesn't leave a void. We have every gift we need within the church already. We shouldn't need to be operating outside of our gifting because when you're operating outside of your gifting, it becomes full of resentment. It's a chore. And, you, you know, someone else is missing out on their opportunity to use their gifting. As we ramp up to meeting back in church, have a think about where can I serve? Now is the time to step out into new things. I'm just going to pray for you now if that's you if you've got something on your heart to bring. God, I just wanna pray a fresh anointing on my friends here today. For those of you waiting in the shadows with a gift on your heart, God, I pray that, that you, you will have bravery and courage to step out and use that and will be blessed and heard when you do so. This church needs you. So that's a community that prays, a community that acts, and thirdly, a community that communicates. We read in verse 19 to 20 how Nehemiah gathers the people and tells them the plan. Our God will fight for us and give us the victory. And he continues to keep that line of communication open. They are to act at the sound of the trumpet. 
even though they were separated physically, they could communicate. And if they could communicate, they could respond. For us, thankfully, it's not fires and trumpets. We've got so many other ways of being connected. You know, we don't have to wait for Graham's accordion over the sound of um, the airport. We don't have to wait for smoke signals from the barn over the Derbyshire rain. No, we have got so many ways of communicating. But just because we can communicate, I don't think we necessarily do. I don't think it's the authentic, real communication that we should see in church and kingdom. Just because I have your number, just because I see your posts, doesn't mean that we're connecting and communicating. You know, the disciples and the Trinity are godly examples of what community is. We're not meant to do life alone. God has put you in community, but there is no value in being labelled as community if we're not acting like one and not talking. So many problems, and you'll know this if, if you're in a workplace or in your own families, perhaps, and I hope not, but bitterness and resentment and grumbling come when we don't talk. If I don't ask what's going on, I'm not going to know. And how can I expect people to know if I don't share what's going on? Communicating is a two-way thing. And it's so, so important. I'm going to come back to um, communication a little bit later with a bit of a challenge for us all. So if you're still with me, we're moving on to number four. And we're talking about a community that is eager. Now you can imagine in verses 21 to 23, they're all staying within the walls, staying in their clothes. I'm not sure quite what the hygiene was like, but thank, thank the Lord for the Dungate. Um, so what they were doing is they are eager. There isn't time to get changed. You know, we've got to build this wall together. They are active in their waiting for and fulfillment of the promise, not relaxed and passive. Oh yeah, God said he'll build it. I'll just, just relax. You know, we've got to be the same, actively waiting for our coming, coming king, not sitting back and consuming. And I know there's been times for me, and maybe it's true of you, where it's been easy to sit back and watch online church and just consume, just like you would a Netflix series. But let's try and break that. And I know we're looking at opening church, church up soon, and, you know, as things start to open up, it'll be better if, it'll be better when, It'll be fine, but don't let that apathy creep in. You know, the time is now. There's something to be said for eagerly chasing what God has for us now in this moment. And if coronavirus has taught us anything, you know, life can be short. We don't know when our last day will be. We have a mission from the King. We need to ask act now we need to respond now and eagerly seek what the lord would have us build now let's be an eager people and then in um, verse 22 so within that passage you know nehemiah builds a community that is close you know they set up camp within the walls their fellow workers and i think that proximity speaks speaks wonders of um, community and perhaps you set up camp in Derby with us. Perhaps you set up um, camp in Burton. You know, you are united in community and camping together. 
And the title for this talk was Pitch Your Tents Closely Together. And I think that's so apt for describing community. We've missed camping um, at Devoted over the years due to work, um, but I have really fond memories of camping trips as a child and also at Soul Survivor, which uh, the arrival of New Day, <laughs> um, alas, no more. Um, but it was the most incredible time. You know, we had shared highs, testimonies of God's goodness and breakthroughs, sharing meals, games, sheltering from the elements. But it's also a little bit chaotic. You know, it's messy, it's early, it's makeup free mornings. But like I say, a really apt description of what community should be like. You know, when you're camping, people see you at your best and your worst. You're not immediately dressed in all your finery. Actually, there's mud on your cheek, last night's dinner on your jumper, and there's sand in your shoes, and you haven't been to a beach for a year, and you're not quite sure where it's come from. Church should be a place where you can be vulnerable, where you can be you and be real. A place where we shouldn't be afraid to ask, how are you, really? And also not be afraid to answer honestly. Because pretending you've got it all together does no one any good because everyone else thinks well, I should have it together too but I really don't we are church we are all a broken people restored by King Jesus to be family and in relationship with him church is a place where you should be welcomed just as you are because we are a people who ourselves have been welcomed who recognize your brokenness because we're broken ourselves, but we refuse to let you stay there. We want to encourage you, lift you up and help you to become more like Jesus. Let's resolve together to be honest, to ask the difficult questions and answer them truthfully. And I think we're going to come to this perhaps in a few talks time, but, you know, and when we know where the vulnerable parts are, when we know when you're struggling, actually, we can help you, we can protect you, just as Nehemiah set up guard around the weak spots, around the struggling spots, we can do the same. And then um, the other thing I was thinking about with camping is there's always someone who's for, forgotten something. And that's often for me, the gas canisters for cooking. And maybe it's a broken tent pole, maybe it's... um shower gel I don't know maybe there's something you always forget um, but living closely and having connection means that we can respond and help practically and spiritually I love the posts on our Facebook um, group you know asking for help and seeing the response of generosity um, you know it speaks to the community that we want to be in Acts 2 where no one had need and they shed all their possessions let's aim to be a community that responds but also one that is close enough to recognise a need before it is even spoken. And lastly, just with this illustration, you know, I don't know what it's like for you, but often I find us you know, mixing with people that we haven't met before, you know, from a different church, a different family, you connect in a different way with people perhaps you wouldn't usually meet. If each of us is made in God's image and we're all so, so different, Perhaps we can learn more about God when we mix with other people, with the people that he's made. As we learn more about each other, we learn more of God and learn to be a little more like him, a little bit more loving, a little bit more patient and a little bit more kind. So don't limit your view of what God is like from your own cliques. Get out of them, broaden your connections. It's not about you. 
And I just want to emphasize again, as Graham has spoken about, the value of life groups in that mixing with people who you wouldn't necessarily choose to. Broaden your connections, because as you do, you'll see more of God and become a little more like him. So those are our five points. So Nehemiah builds a community that prays. Nehemiah builds a community that acts. He builds a community that communicates, a community that is eager and a community that is close. And I promised that I would uh, set us all a little bit of a challenge at the end. So this is for you. Anyone who is watching, this is for you. Not just for those who would normally join in. This only works if we all chip in. Each of us is a builder. The church won't work without you. So if you haven't already, I'd like you to go and find a pen and a piece of paper. I can see a few scrabbles for pen and paper. <laughs> I'd encourage you not just to write this on your phone. We're going old school pen and paper. So what I'd like to do is for the next seven days, I'd like us to build community. And therefore, very simply, I've called this seven days to build community. <laughs> Starting today, but obviously not limited these seven days, you know, this may be something we build upon as a church. Um, I would like each of us every day to connect with one other person. Very simple. That could be a message. It could be a phone call, a text, um, a note of encouragement, a card through their door. I don't want you to just pray for someone. I want you to tell them that you've done it. You know, I prayed for you today. I heard from God this. Does that resonate with you? you know, what's going on in your life? Um, it may be someone you know. It may well not be. And I would encourage you not to just stick to your cleats, as I've mentioned, you know, broaden those connections. So um, if you've got the notes page in front of you that I put, I've put seven days there um, and we're going to just have a couple of music, uh, minutes of music from Izzy just while we prayerfully consider who can we connect with in these seven days. I'm going to do it too, so you know you're not alone. <laughs>
thank you so much, Izzy. I hope you've had time um, to write down seven names. Um, yeah, I hope, I really hope and pray that you're blessed by this this week. You know, put that piece of paper somewhere, you'll see it as a reminder. If for you, that's by the kettle, if it's by the front door, if it's on your mirror, somewhere where you're going to see it so you don't forget, you know, set a reminder on your phone. You know, let's do something about this and let's be intentional about building community. Now, the church doesn't just belong to Graham or the elders or the life group leaders. It belongs to all of us. It's about us taking ownership of what we're building. And then um, as we go through the week, if you've got testimonies of um, what's happened as a result of this, it'd be wonderful to hear. And we'd love to share them next week. You know, testimonies about how God is building connection and how that is really good for us. I just want to finish by um, just talking about something I've read um, in an amazing book. It's called Ordinary Mum, Extraordinary Mission. A really good book if you're trying to juggle um, being a mother and um, life and work and things like that. Um, and they talk about our foundation. So I'm just going to share this if that's OK. What the world sees is what we build, our mission and our outreach work. But what we build is only as good as our foundations. And our foundations are based on relationships. Our relationships first and foremost with God, our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with others. If those relationships are fragile, the foundations of the church are shaken, the outward work becomes fragile. Don't focus on the wallpaper right now and what the world sees. That comes if we get the foundations right. Get that right and the church can't help but grow as people see the kingdom come to earth. So God, would you be with us this week as we aim to be a community that prays, that acts, that communicates, that is eager and that is close. God, we just want to be more like you. And, and as we build, God, may that our church become attractive. May we grow and, and expand. Thank you, God, that you love community. Amen. Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.